at first it was about 30 minutes. And uh, in a sales business, that seems like eternity. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K, and TIPS, T-I-P-S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. All right, everyone. Today we have the co-founder of PipeDrive, Timo Rain. And PipeDrive is software that helps salespeople close more business by using a well-designed sales pipeline interface. PipeDrive has more than 10,000 customers around the world and has raised over $13.4 million in funding. I'm a big fan of what they do. Timo, how are you doing today? Doing well, Eric. Thank you very much and uh, really great to be here. Yeah. Great to be here. Thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, some background on the company? So I'm one of the five co-founders of PyTribe. Uh, you described it already. And um, it's, a, it's a company which uh, was founded in uh, 2010 in summer. So we've been around or you know, working with this um, a little bit more than five years now. And um, we've been able to grow um, really well around the world and uh, serving now more than 100 um, customers from 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 more than a hundred uh, countries, and um, and and really trying to change the world for the better for salespeople. Got it. Okay. Now, you know, if if I'm a startup, um, you know, what's the best way for us to you know use PipeDrive effectively? Kind of what sets you apart from the other you know sales tools are, that are out there? Well, first of all, it's a question um, that needs to be asked, like. You know, what type of a company you, you are and and what type of customers you're after and uh, if you get a similar description that I'm about to give you then Pytron might be a good fit so if you're a company which is uh, primarily dealing with uh, uh, businesses as your customers and your sales uh, model is really the opposite of transactional which means that you have you know somewhat larger uh, sales deals, um, uh, average sales, uh, and you have a rather lengthy sales cycle uh, that can be measured sometimes in months. And, um, and it takes really a person to interact with a potential customer to to get to a close, um, then PyTrain might be a really good fit for you. Because what we do is we focus on, on um, helping you um, really know what's going on in your sales pipeline and, uh, and see what sort of next steps you need to take to, to get to good results. Awesome. And what type of numbers can you share around the business today? I know we talked about uh, customers and how much funding you've gotten, but anything you can share freely? Um, yeah, you know, I think these numbers also give you a bit of a story there. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, when we started, even the number of, of 500 customers uh, sounded a big one. And uh, remember going back then, you know, that was one of the numbers that we sort of thought of. If we could get there, it, it would mean that it's a real business. So, uh, 
um, serving uh, you know well over ten thousand customers around the world now, um, and like I said, more than hundred countries, uh, literally on every continent. So that's that's uh, you know quite a quite a good story in that sense, but also a a, a, a signs that that at least something is there which which people have been wanting, and um, and we've been able to serve a little bit of that. Okay. I do remember using you guys a couple of years ago, and and I, you know, I had no clue you guys were growing so quickly. So, what do you think? What do you think really was the main driver of that growth? That is a, you know, there's a, it is a very good question to ask. Um, saying it because we always ask these sort of questions as people, don't we? Um, like you know, looking back and trying to understand what was the reason um, or driver. Uh, and I don't want to appear smart here because I don't have the full answer like, hey, you know, that's that's what it was. That's what we did right. And even analyzing it, it doesn't get me to the a really good answer. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's maybe fair to say that there are, there are a few ingredients that have gone into this and uh, and the rest is just uh, out of our control and then and, and really trying to adjust to the whole situation. But, um, but I think of, of the ingredients that, that have gone in, I would think that um, one of them is 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 you know getting the the, the product and the market fit right, because uh, essentially the CRM market or you know that's the big larger term for this obviously customer relationship or sales. Um, you can argue that it's been very saturated for for quite a long time now, and uh, and to be. You know, one of the tools in this market uh, be picked up by somebody anywhere in the world. Really, you have to have a concept of the product, or or the or the feel of the product, and the actual functionality of the product and the performance of it. That kind of you know strikes a nerve, or you know feels like this is the one that I that I that I, that I want to use. And um, I think getting that right was the was the beginning, and uh, and we really draw on our experience, um, you know, being salespeople for all of our lives. Two of our co-founders really, you know, are stupid to technology. One of them is me, and um, and I think that is one. Um, and then the rest of it's rest of it. I think it's just I would say approach to marketing, um, not even marketing, but the approach to marketing, because uh, all of that was obviously very new for us. We had more experience, you know, building out a team which is, you know, very outbound heavy and and sort of like looking at more at the enterprise type of deals. Uh, that's what we did before. We we found it five tribe, but uh, but thinking, you know, along these lines, how can we put a product in the hands of somebody in Peru, uh, for example, and um, I think that sort of a global level of thinking um, has helped us to to come up with the right sort of you know pricing, the right sort of model for marketing, um, making sure that we uh, you know take the right steps when we really start the company. You know, so there are many really important steps there. But I think that sort of this attitudes toward marketing, how to make it global from the very beginning, uh, has helped us a lot. And uh, maybe I would only add, but one thing that I believe that us uh, realizing at one point that learning from others who've done these sort of things and SaaS business is not, you know, born yesterday, um, learning from others and, and, and getting ourselves to a, a an angel pad incubator in San Francisco at that time, 
2011, it's also very valuable, you know, because we could really learn from others and, 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 and learn from people in the Silicon Valley. And as you know, there are so many tech companies around here. Um, so just trying to understand which people we should put the product in the hands of and, um, and, and then roll with it and then see what we can do even better. Okay. Now, I, you know, I, you, you touched upon the, the approach to kind of global, I'm just going to call it global marketing. So, I mean, what was your initial process for figuring that out? Because, you know, getting into, you know, getting into someone's hands and, and getting the product into someone's hands in someone like uh, somewhere like Peru versus like, let's just say Germany or something like that is might be different, right? So what was your process for that approach? I think that for context, at first it was a necessity for us because uh, building a product out of a company which uh, which is started in Estonia, which is a you know country of 1.4 or 1.5 million, um, it's it's a, you can't build a very successful SaaS product uh, at a at a low price point there. I mean, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't work. So we had to uh, figure out a way that we could uh, we could build this. Um, it would have been easier to focus on larger um, companies, uh, build uh, somewhat customized solutions for them, and then um, you know approach them and, and try to you know close deals and and uh, sort of create a name for ourselves and start sort of moving from okay we have this country I wouldn't say well covered but we we've do we've done something here right. Um, and then move on. But our thinking was that, you know, we don't want to do this. We, we, we know what it takes, but we would like to fully utilize um, the, the possibilities of building a SaaS um, business. And, um, and then it was, okay, what, what, what has to be the price <laughs> in a way? Like, you know, what, what does it have to be so that we, we can actually have somebody pick this product up uh, um, you know, get it running on their own and and start paying on their own. So, what has to be the price? What has to be the level of simplicity from the get go? What has to be the level of you know customization that they can do on their own without anybody's help? And 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 how easy it would you know be to convert? And um, so you know the ideas went in you know I think in that type of order or or maybe as a mess, but but you know these sort of things were the ones that we just just you know, discussed. And uh, I don't know if I answered the question fully now, but, yes. but that's what we had in mind. What I'm hearing is, you know, you guys kind of, you know, kind of just threw things against the wall first and then saw what stick and then just kind of did more of what worked. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, because we knew that the product market fit was was there, even though the product was of very limited functionality and uh, at the time more even than today. And uh, so we've had, we had tested that out that that was one of the things where, did, where we didn't go go global. So the first few months of the product was just us trying to understand if all the people in our uh, you know uh, in our inboxes and contact base that we had um, uh, probably five or six hundred altogether that we thought you know should take a look. Um, we could see that about you know I can't remember ten to twelve of of of, uh, of them. Uh, actually started uh, using it uh, so that they, they would say that okay would you know pay for this even though the actual usage was higher around 30 to 40 companies but uh, but you know 10 to 12 of them actually became our customers so we knew that but we wanted them to be um, you know really addressing the whole market of the world um, yeah got it okay so I mean starting out in Estonia first uh, did you have were all five co-founders there at the same time um, and then I guess 
if so, you know, how did you guys go about finding talent around there? Um, yeah, we were all we were all there at the same time. Uh, we just didn't know each other. I mean, we knew uh, like I knew the other co-founder um, again, both of us in sales and sales management for for about ten to fifteen years, and I knew him from our last company for about ten years. Um, and then you know the guys from the tech side, they had known each other. I can't remember, maybe five or six years. And they had built, you know, some startups already, and um, and we just, you know, got to know it, know each other, and uh, and uh, you know, finding talent at first was, you know, we didn't have the, you know, people argue, you know, what's the right size of uh, for of company uh, or a startup, you know, what's the right number of founders they should have, like two or three or so, and then we we had five, and and we we didn't really pay attention to this that much, but uh, what it did give us uh, at the very beginning was a was a chance to wear many hats, but also perform a lot of functions, you know, well enough, so that we didn't need uh, uh, talent immediately. Even though we uh, immediately hired one developer and and then uh, you know worked like that uh, that type of a setup. Um, but finding talent in Estonia, um, you know, as Skype was founded in Estonia, as far as technology goes, and then they you know teamed up with with guys from Sweden, Denmark, but um it it already had you know it's the sort of technology companies in uh, in 2010 that uh you know th that scene was how can i put it strong enough so that uh finding talent into uh, engineering was not a problem obviously there were some of the functions and some of the roles where you would reach out and and see you know outside of estonia um but uh but that, that, you know, we didn't find that to be a problem. Got it. Okay. So, you know, building upon talent in, in the beginning, I mean, what are some mistakes you think you made in terms of, you know, sales processes as you guys continue to scale? Could you ask that again? Like, yep. So what are some mistakes you made in terms of how you, how your sales team uh, operated in the beginning? Well, uh, well, as I said, you know, the, the, the sales model that we had was, you know, how can we, you know, do it uh, so that we can approach very small companies around the world. So uh, to achieve that, we, we never hired anybody to do, to do sales. So instead, we went with marketing efforts and, uh, and made sure that we uh, focused on what we can do there uh, to be present in you know, searches and, and, and present in content and uh and, and then try to uh, address the, the maybe more tar startup uh, uh, market uh, as far as sales and sales management went. But, uh, but you know, there was, there was no sales team that I could speak of right now. There's, okay. Uh, so I, I guess clarifying question. Uh, so sounds like, okay, marketing was the main driver, but uh, yeah. who, you know, who closed the deals? Our customers. I mean, since it's a model where you literally sign up uh, you use it for uh, 30 days or less, and then and, you know if you like it, you convert to paying, and if you don't, then you don't. Got it. So literally, there is no okay. There is no customer success. I'm just trying to understand this better. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's it's, it's what they call a, a low touch or a or a no touch model. I mean, no touch is not completely true because we did hire people to help you uh, if you run into trouble. So you had custom support function there, and uh, we treated you know our customer support. In a way, like our sales, maybe, but but their goal was never to to close you. It was it was to help you when you reached out. We never did any outbound with them, obviously. Um, so yeah, interesting. 
Okay, very interesting. So let's jump into marketing then. So what worked well for you in terms of user acquisition? You talked about doing some SEO stuff. It sounds like you guys did some SEM. I just want to know, you know, how you went about acquiring, let's just say your first hundred customers. Yeah. Um, so like I said, a small portion of that came from, uh, from a very early set of um, trial, let's say not trial users, but sort of beta users. And um uh, and from then on, it was a rather rough ride. Um, I mean, the product was out there. You could buy it if you found it, <laughs> if you, you know, if you actually could find it in, in the internet. Um, but luckily we had some, um, you know, early work on, on the SEO, uh, done by one of the, uh, really good people, uh, brother of our co-founder, and he's still leading our marketing, uh, to this day. And um, and you know, he had experience from Skype, and he was setting things up so that we could at least uh, be present, and and uh, uh, and people could really stumble upon us. Um, but the first months, I think we were able to see about you know five to ten to fifteen uh, paying customers um, uh, and uh, per month. But the good thing that we were seeing that they were coming from different parts of the world, so that meant that you know. It was working whatever we did in in SEO, and and also the content that we thought that we should produce when we talk about the marketing side. At early on, it was just let's tell people how difficult it, it is to you know to start a startup. Um, you know how do you how do you get the you know the money to fund it, um, and then what are the some of the early struggles? And I think uh, that somehow resonated as well. You know we, we tried to uh, describe our. Uh, challenges when we try to uh, apply for different startup incubators uh, in the U.S. and in, in Europe, and uh, sort of wrote about it. And I think that at least got the attention of of the more tech savvy uh, companies in the world. Uh, so that helped along. Um, but I think we got to about when you asked the question about a hundred. I think we got to about eighty uh, uh, in about four or five months. And um, and then the question was, okay, guys. That's definitely a growing number, but it's not really a business, and we're sort of slowly but surely running out of our money. Mm. And then I made a decision that was 2011 in June, made a decision that we we really have to uh, get into an incubator in the U.S., and we started applying like crazy, I would say, to different ones. And um, and then we were accepted to two or three, and then we chose Angel Pad Incubator, which was important in getting to this 100 uh, uh, customers. Because I remember clearly that we were, I think there was an interview in 500 startups um, at that point. And, and, you know, somebody asked, so guys, what do you want to do? And we said, okay, we have about, well, we kind of lied. We said we, we have about 100 customers, right? We had actually 80. <laughs> but uh, uh, so we said we have about 100 and then, you know, we'd like to know how to get more. And the, the, the question that, that, they, that they said was, Oh, so it's very easy. Uh, uh, I mean, it's very simple to understand what you want to do. You need to know how do you get to, to a hundred customers, uh, you know, per day uh, or per month um, uh, at first. And, and even this per month number was like, oh, how do you how do you do that? But uh, but I saw that you know that's the exact type of mentorship that you would really need to have at that stage if you really don't get these answers yourself immediately. And um, so when we entered. Angel Pet Incubator, it was about these sort of questions that we started to ask more. And then everything that we could do um, with a website, you know, trying to convert 
make make sure that it converts things really really better. Um, so that, that was one. But I think the actual one hundred came with the effort that we put in with the AppSumo uh, deal. I don't know if you know. Uh, yes. uh, yes. Yeah. No, so yeah. So AppSumo um, brought us a lot of customers, given the number that we had. I think two or three times that number that we already had. But we knew that the conversion will be probably not as good from this, but uh, but at least we got you know maybe a bit more buzz, uh, a bit more movement movement in the market. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I, I do remember doing when I was at a startup in the past. We we did a lot of deals like this, uh, AppSumo and all these other ones, and it definitely helped give a bump and I think a lot of awareness for sure. Um, but it just wasn't for us. It wasn't very long term, and I just wonder for you. No. Yeah, it, it was just kind of a bump in the beginning, and you kind of moved on from there, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was one of the things we tried, and uh, and 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 you know, you, you, you recognize the value of everything you do, and that was one of the bumps. And I think that the awareness and that you know helped. But but we don't. But I think what it also did was it somehow uh, put the product also into the right hands of more sort of like into the hands of more right people. Um, uh, and, 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 and what I mean by this is, uh, I think, you know, more people in the tech industry also, you know, smaller VCs or angels noticed that they had, you know, larger networks and, you know, the word got around because most of the growth to this 100 customers number had already occurred through this sort of, you know, people talking to each other and, and just becoming really organic because like I said, we didn't have any sales team. So we were just sort of fired up our engines and we were, ready to have customers but we but we never really went out but we you know and, and sort of like call them or email them and we were we were just uh, making sure that uh, there's there's no block uh, in in, uh, in you know people getting uh, to our customers becoming our customers right okay um, I want to go back to that one quote so I, I think you know when you went into the incubator you I think one of the questions you asked was how do we get to a hundred customers or how do we get to a thousand was that the question I think the actual question was, uh, how do we? So my, my, I didn't even have a question. I just said that you know we have about a hundred customers right now, and the answer was, well, then you need to figure out how you can get a hundred customers per month. Uh, you've done that now in four or five months. The question is how you can do it in a month. I think uh, that was the question. Yeah. So the, my takeaway from that is, you know, they're, they're saying, hey, you got to aim a lot higher, and you set your goals a lot higher, and then you're going to figure out how to get there exactly, right? Yeah, and you know what. I think our goals, um, the mad plans that we had created, were already requiring these sort of questions. But the, the beauty was that we never had actually gotten to that point that we started asking these questions quite as specifically ourselves, even though it sounds like a very simple question to ask. But you always are influenced by what really goes on, right? And when you see that you have about 15 to 20 people, you know, becoming your paying customers, you don't necessarily think, oh, you know, we, how can we have that as a, as a hundred or, or, or a thousand a month or whatever, you know, you just, you, it's a step. Uh, and first of all, it's a step in thinking. Um, uh, so yeah, the, our goals, our, our level of specific thinking, specific question was definitely lower our math plans were there. We just didn't know how to get there. Got it. Makes sense. So I, you know, we've, we've talked about you, you know, uh, you know, trying to get, you know, the first hundred customers or so we've talked about the scale, the, the troubles of, uh, or the difficulties of, you know, kind of making it, uh, you know, a globalized, uh, product offering. Um, can you tell us about another big struggle you faced while growing the business? 
another one. That has kind of always been a big one, <laughs> um, uh, because of uh, because of the um, the engine. Um, probably one of the ones. I mean, I, I can share an example where we uh, were like already three years into the business. Sure, if, sure. if that works. So the other one comes, and again, you know, when you have a SaaS product, when you have a technology product, then you know some things don't go right. I mean, not always right with uh, with performance or or reliability. And uh, one of the struggles was uh, was scaling um, the performance of of you know coming up with what's the right sets up for for serving uh, more and more customers as as it grows around the world, really, and. Um, um, especially when they're not in a one region in terms of in terms of geography, but they are really using your servers. Uh, but but they are you know using the computers in Australia or or US or Europe or Brazil you know anywhere really, and then seeing that that we can't really serve all of them in in a, in a in the same quality uh, as far as really you know performance goes uh, of the product, um, but that we kind of addressed early on 2012 already like one year in but then um you know figuring out what we need to do uh having a a uh you know we thought uh a good you know partner uh, as a as a hosting provider but you know things don't go well like i said and and then and i think we uh suffered one of the really really hard times in 20 uh, i think 2014 even you know like last year spring um and the problem was that we had quite a lot of customers by that time um, compared to early days. But to see that your uh, software, uh, you know, goes down is is not available for for customers who want to use it, and trying to assess the damage and trying to come up with a solution. And you can see that everybody is trying their hardest everybody in the company you have all the all the resources and all the people from from different continents you know in a company in, in a customer support uh, function and and your infrastructure and your engineering and and marketing and everybody's trying their hardest but you can see that <laughs> the time that that the, that the product is not available just you know increases and 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 um and that i think i'm just describing one moment in the history, um, but uh, but to have minutes ticking, <laughs> yeah. and and that that was really a challenging situation for us to handle. Uh, I mean, I think we did a really good job in terms of actually getting to the solution and and fixing it all, and um, and then you know eventually coming up with a with a fix that would uh, give us a lot more stability uh, and um, and sort of independency. But um, but just going through that, uh, I think that was a, that was a challenge. But that challenge was really well met by the whole team, and uh, I, that was one of the moments where I learned, you know, what the team is capable of, and how how much they care about, you know, how things are going. Wow, how long were you guys down for? Um, I think it was. Oh my god, I'm just, my memory is so bad. Um, but it was. I'm, I'm hoping I'm right now. At first, it was about thirty minutes, and I, I think that will be the end of the world. Um, but I think at the end, it was probably close to an hour or so. Oh, um, 
And uh, in a sales business, that seems like eternity. That seems like you know you should you shouldn't have that ever. I hear that. Cool, man. Um, okay, so let's let's switch gears a little bit. Just a few more questions on my side. Um, sure. What's one piece of advice you'd give your twenty five year old self? Um, <laughs> well, it's uh, again, it's it's pretty easy to. <laughs> it, it, how can I put it? Maybe there's a point that you don't know things then that you would know later on in life. I mean, you just have to go through things. And I think maybe one thing you need to do is is just do things. Um, do things that you uh, feel that you're good at and uh, and that you like. And sometimes you have fears and sometimes you, you don't maybe kind of, you know, you, you, you're looking at other things. But I think that one of the things I've, I've seen that I've always been sort of cruising and 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 and, and driving towards uh, doing where, where I can naturally be, you know, not only good at but really feel good about my contribution, um, and I can see I can you know make things happen. Um, so uh, trusting that your natural ability is is good enough uh, to to create something, uh, you know. Beautiful or or impressive or great, I think that's probably one of the one piece of advice that I would maybe give. But but I think it comes as a second after the the plain old Nike sloganish, you know, just do it. You know, whatever you're doing, it just just do it because what you know what happens when you do something is that you will learn. Um, you you just become better, but you will also learn whether this is something you're good at, whether this is something which is natural to you. And, um, and that helps. I mean, when it's something you're good at, I think you will just become a master um, of that. And, uh, and you really have a chance to, you know, have a, have a you know, good role in, in some company or you know, should you want to start a company, you'll put yourself in a good position. And if, you don't, if you're not in the right spot, then at least you will learn quite quickly that this is not it. But if you just kind of like, you know, if you, if you stay in a limbo of kind of like, I kind of like it, I kind of don't, I'm putting in about like 50 to 75% of effort, it just takes longer. And then suddenly you're 30 or like you're 35 and it just, um, yeah, it's tougher to make changes in life then. And that's maybe one of, maybe the second advice is that it's easier to test um Test how well you can, you know, do when you when you found a company, uh, especially in today's world of technology. When you're 20 to 25 years old, uh, you lack in experience, uh, obviously, but uh, at the same time, you <laughs> you don't have a one and a half year old, you know, waking up uh, in the middle of the night, or or you don't have the problem of how I'm gonna, you know, relocate my full family should I uh, be in a position that I had to move. To make sure that the business can expand and grow, uh, so maybe that just you know do what you're doing and and uh, and try to get to the place where you're good at and then and and then you know go for it. Uh, I don't know how helpful that was, but maybe that that was super helpful. That was super helpful. I like it. Um, Timo, how do you structure your day? You mean my day right now as yeah. I'm working? Okay, um, so I'm working about. But that's my personal life here. Um, I'm working about 10 hours away 
uh, 10 hours behind uh, from the guys in Europe and, and they're the majority of the company. Um, um, so my day is structured uh, to make sure that I can, you know, still be the part of the <laughs> that part of the company. Um, so uh, it's always structured around the mornings being the times for communication uh, with the guys in Europe. So uh, my day starts around five thirty with a with a you know alarm clock and at six a.m. as as a regular call, which is normally a group call, and um, and then you know taking kids to school around seven and uh, you know from seven to eight you know in that that frame um, doing a quick morning workout and and then getting back and doing um, you know the interviews uh, hiring interviews uh, you know from about ten and um, because that will be the you know late evening in Europe and and uh, you know US obviously is, is, is not a problem uh, with that hour uh, East Coast to West Coast. So 10 a.m., 11 a.m., sometimes noon as well, uh, two or three interviews, um, hiring. And then after that, I have planned, um, you know, a few one-on-ones which happen regularly with, uh, with the team uh, leads and, and executives in, in Europe. And, uh, and uh, obviously, everything that has to be strategically important. So uh, times of thinking um, and, you know, sort of working in a computer on my own with, a bit of communication emails, but also um, you know creating documents, whether it's a piece of uh, vision for the product or articulating anything else important. Uh, you know that kind of happens in the afternoon, and uh, I think that kind of uh, this is this is how I go till the end of the day. Uh, try to wrap it up so that I could uh, still be at home. Um, you know, you know, five or six, depending on you know, how it can go. Um, again, kids come into this a bit. They have their, you know, dance lessons and things like that. Um, and then at home, you know, <laughs> being with a family and uh, getting ready for the next morning early, wake up again. So uh, can't can't really stay up too long. And sometimes, even though I don't want to sacrifice my evenings, but sometimes also addressing a few things in the evening. But that's mostly on mobile and and over some instant messenger. But but. But that does not happen too often. Great. Okay. Final question for you. What's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Uh, <laughs> depending. <laughs> that's a good one. That's depending what you uh, what your role is a bit, I guess. Um, let, let me put it that way. I have I've had a habit of not reading any. Uh, fiction books um, so I just can't do it I, I, I get too drowned into the whole emotion of the book and sometimes I just don't like it and I'm just already in there I said like hey it just completely changed my day <laughs> but, but what, I'm, what I have read in life more are the books about sales books about management um, and if there was one if, if you were in sales for example then I would think that you're you're missing so much when you haven't read a book by Albert Gray, um, which co- which is called a, uh, the Common Denominator Denominator of uh, Success, and that is actually a book which you sometimes can't even buy because it's uh, distributed freely and with you know no charge. It's a book which is so small that you would probably not even see it when it's on a table when you. <laughs> so it's very small format, but what it does, it breaks down 
something that I've seen contributes to success more than anything else in sales, whether it's transactional or whether it's you know, B2B project type of sales. So if you're in sales, I would say that. Uh, Albert Gray, common denominator of success. And management, again, I have a book which is uh, really good, which I like a lot, which is, uh, uh, I always just remember the, the title of it, uh, The F- Leadership Formula. But, um, but again, that's somehow the book that you can't buy. Uh, I'm not, not from Amazon, for example. Uh, but it's a book which is written um, by a Swedish uh, consultant, uh, Sven Berg. And uh, I really liked it. He's one of the guys who's you know, condensed everything important about management into one small book and uh, left out all the sort of fluff, uh, which you have a lot in, in, in books sometimes. You know, to make them look thicker. Um, so I quite like this one because it takes the leadership and really breaks it down for the for those of them who really want to get some structure, and also for those who think that leadership is an art. So it's a very good balance. Awesome. Okay, we'll definitely add both of those to the show notes. I've actually never. This is the first time I think in a long time that the, that that like, I guess has given two books that I've never even heard of before, and I, so I, I'm definitely going to buy them. Um, right after this and um, we're gonna add this to the show notes for sure but uh timo this has been fantastic uh, i highly recommend everybody uh you know if you're um at any level of sales you know you definitely should check out pipe drive and see if it works for your organization i know i loved it for sure um timo what's the best way for people to find you online uh well online i uh, one of my teammates uh actually wrote a wrote a post um some years ago that that uh, look at this guy he doesn't really do anything in twitter and i don't so that's difficult uh i have a linkedin profile um that's not too hard to find and and you know that's really not in online maybe but uh but you can always try to guess the email and <laughs> just shoot an email um not too difficult uh uh, but yeah i i don't have a uh, anything more personal than our pipetry website Got it. That, I think that that's good enough. Everyone go to pipedrive.com. But uh, Timo, thanks, thanks again for doing this. And I uh, hope to have you again, again on the show again sometime soon. Eric, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick, Q-U-I-C-K, and tips, T-I-P, S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.